New Testament passage today picks up in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, beginning with verse 13. So let's begin to turn our attention there. Paul said, we also thank God constantly for this. This was a source of thanksgiving. What is that thing? That when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as man's words, but God's. Now, now this is important, but as what it really is, the word of God. Now, just stop there for a minute and understand. Paul is saying the gospel is not a man-made thing. The good news of Jesus Christ, the, the, the teaching of the gospel, is not a, a man-made path to God. It's not just another idea of man. This is what it really is, the word of God. And then notice how he continues. Which is at work in you believers. So God's word is alive and working in us. Wow. Now, now think about that for a minute. We, we used to sing a chorus about it back in the late 70s, early 80s. The word is working mightily in me. Healing comes because God speaks his word to us. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So when we talk about the word of God being alive and active, well, here, here's part of its activity. The word is working in you. How do you think God continues to perfect the good work he began in you? God's word is at work in you. Now, you just, you just need to sit back and look at yourself and go, you know, that's amazing. The living, active word of God is working. It's at work within my life. For you, brothers, became imitators, okay? They imitated, they chose someone's path to follow, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. Now, notice the specificness. Imitators of the churches of God in Christ. So these are real Christian churches that are in Judea. For you suffered the same things from your own countrymen as they did from the Jews. So, all right. So you have a persecution model. And sometimes when you're going through persecution, you need a model to follow. And they followed this model of the churches in Judea. Now, before you think that's strange, remember that when Paul went to Thessalonica after being thrown out of Philippi, he again faced the persecution of the Jews. And then the Jews threw him out of Thessalonica, and he went down to Berea, and then they, the Jews threw him out of Berea, and he went down to Athens, and then later stayed in Corinth for some time, 18 months to two years. Now, Paul said, listen, you, you suffered the same things from your own countrymen as these people did from the Jews. You faced persecution for believing in Jesus. Now, some of you today, forgive me, when persecution comes, some people fall away. But other people look to models. And these people look to the model of the church of Judea and said, you know what? If they can hold on in the face of persecution, so can we. Now notice the reality of persecution. They have a long lineage, all right? So they have a long lineage of persecution. They killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets, and they drove us out. Wow. 
So persecution has this long lineage. They killed the prophets. This goes back centuries, millennia. They killed the Lord Jesus. He said, Paul said, they drove us out. He said, and notice their fruit. So they not only have a long lineage, they have a fruit. They displease God and they oppose all mankind. Persecution, the people who bring persecution, they, they think they're pleasing God. Now, Paul is in a perfect position to understand this because he at one time persecuted God. And Jesus spoke to him and said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? They, they displease God and they oppose all mankind by trying to stop the message of the gospel. They are condemning mankind to an eternity in hell. So persecution is, is not a good thing. It displeases God and it's against all mankind, both saved and unsaved, by hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles that they might be saved. So how do they oppose all mankind? They hindered us from speaking to the Gentiles that they might be saved. So as always to fill up the measure of their sins, but God's wrath has come upon them at last. Well, okay, so, you know, the day comes, all right? The day comes. Judgment comes. You know, sometimes you wonder, how long are these people going to get away with it? Well, there does come a day when judgment comes. Paul said, these people are displeased God. They've opposed all mankind by hindering us from preaching the gospel. And he said, you know what? At some point, God's wrath comes. And he said, it has come upon them at last. He said, you know, look at it. This is, this is they, they have reaped what they have sowed. But since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time, in person but not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face. This is a leader's heart. Paul said, we were torn away from you. He said, we were forced to be separated from you. Kind of like COVID-19 has torn us away from you. For a short time, in person but not in heart. Now, now there's a difference because Paul recognized you know, there are some preachers when, you know, <laughs> when they're absent, they're absent. But Paul said, not me. He said, I got torn away from you in person, but I never got torn away from you in my heart. And he said, now you can tell that. He said, the, the, the proof. He said, the proof of this is that we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face. People always want to know, well, all right, pastor, how is it that you can tell when a, a pastor really has people in his heart? Because they desire to see you face to face. Now, there's the proof. Okay, there's the proof. They desire to see you face to face. Not on Facebook, not on FaceTime, not on Face anything, to see you face to face. Now, some of you wonder, why does Pastor Summer want us to come to services? Well, we do it safe and we do it legal. Right now, we're in 10% capacity. Some of you are in your cars and that's fine. That makes you feel safe. But our purpose is we need to see you face to face. That, that's a leader's heart. So this, this is Paul's heart. So don't blame me if I, if I have the same kind of a heart Paul has. May I please have the kind of a heart that Paul has. May I, may I never have a, a heart that, you know, when I'm not with you in person, I'm not thinking about you. 
May I never have a heart like that. May every one of our pastors, and if you're a pastor listening to me today, may you always have a heart that even when you're torn away from the people, they're always in your heart. He said, because I wanted to come to you. All right, so here's the first proof, a desire to see you face to face. Here's the second proof, I wanted to come to you. There's a desire. He said, but Satan hindered us. All right, so, you know, here's the truth we don't like. And I always use a small letter for his name. I know it's not proper grammar, but that's all right. He never gets a capital letter. Satan hinders ministry. Satan doesn't want ministry to happen. Now notice, all of this up here is Satan hindering. The persecution, that's all demonic inspired. The driving them out, that's all demonic inspired. Hindering from speaking to the Gentiles, that's all demonic inspired. You know, Satan is always going to try to hinder ministry because he doesn't want people to know the truth. For what is our hope, our joy, or our crown of boast before our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? Is it not you? <laughs> when I get to heaven and I stand before the Lord, I want to say, Lord, look at the people. These are the people that have been saved in your name. That is our hope. That is our joy. That is our crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming. Not how much money did we make. Not how many buildings did we build. It, it's the people. Now, now brothers and sisters, you've got to understand. Look at Paul's heart. It's all about people. Yes. He did a lot of things. But when you look at the heart of Paul, it's all about people. Paul was not a professional. Paul was a shepherd who smelled like sheep. For you are our joy, our glory, and our joy. Chapter 3, verse 1. Therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone. Wow. And we sent Timothy, our dear brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to establish and exhort you in the faith. Now notice, Paul put the people Paul put the people first. Paul always put the people first. He said, I'm willing to be left behind. I'm, I'm willing to take care of myself and everybody who's with me go back and take care of the people. Paul said, I can take care of myself. He said, there comes a point when we can bear it no longer. We're, we're so concerned about you. He said, I'm willing to be left behind at Athens alone. He said, we sent Timothy, our brother, to establish you and exhort you in the faith that no one would be moved by these afflictions. So you have to care for people during persecution. This is not a time for the shepherds to run away when the wolves are out. You have to care for people during persecution. You have to care for people in the hard times. For you yourselves know that we were destined for this. He said, you know, hey, this, this is my life. This is my future. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction. Paul said, hey, I was straight up with you. I told you I faced persecution. Just as it has come to pass and just as you know. 
For this reason, when we could bear it no longer, <laughs> notice, we see it twice, I sent to learn about your faith for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. Here's care for the people during persecution. Because remember, one of the parables of Jesus, the parable of the seeds and the sower. When persecution comes, there are many people that turn away. He said, the tempter comes. He said, so these are the early days of salvation with persecution. He said, but now that Timothy has come to you, come to us from you, he said, Timothy's back and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. <laughs> I like that. It's a two-way love. It's a two-way love. Paul said, I love you, you love me. I remember you with kindness in my heart. You remember me with kindness in my heart. I long to see you, you long to see me. He said, hey, you love us. Your faith is there. Paul's happy. He said, for this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. Now notice, bear it no longer, bear it no longer. Comforted when, when I'm, when true pastors, when true spiritual leaders know that the people are doing okay, we are comforted. We, we, we're not going to relax unless we know the people are okay. Now, this is the heart of a leader. We're not going to relax until we know the people are okay. For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. Paul said, wow. He said, you, you want to know what makes me live? To know that you are standing fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? For all the joy that we feel for your sake before the Lord. <laughs> Paul said, man, this is what gets me excited. And we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. So here again is this desire he said, we, we want to see you. He said, we may see you face to face and supply what's lacking in your faith. He wants to teach them more. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you. <laughs> God shows the way. Paul said, how are we going to get back together? He said, God will show the way. God will direct our way to you. And may our Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you. So that he may establish your hearts blameless, establish your hearts blameless in holiness, there's righteous living, before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Here's the rapture. Beautiful, beautiful truth. And so much of the heart of Paul that you see here, so much of the heart of the spiritual leader that, you know, forgive me, as pastors, as CS members and ECS members, as connect group leaders, this is the heart of a leader that you and I should look at and go, that's the kind of heart that I want. All right, let's open up our hearts and spend some more time in worship. 
start you held a place in my heart a place where no one else could feel but sink up your spirit from working in me I couldn't look at life honestly until the day my will gave away to the truth that I found in you I never knew just how good it could be to stand in your presence totally free I'm forgiven reason for living Jesus keeps giving and giving Give it till my heart overflows I'm forgiven Now I have a reason for living Jesus keeps giving and giving Give it till my heart overflows Now I can speak as a person is free when I slip and fall For He is a God And forgives and forgets Now I want to give Him my all I'm forgiven Now I have a reason for living Jesus keeps giving and giving Give until my heart overflows I'm forgiven Now I have a reason for living Testament passage today picks up in Jeremiah chapter 11, beginning with verse 1. Now remember, this is a young man prophet. This is not an old man prophet with long hair and a big long gray beard. This is a young man prophet prophesying at the time of the destruction of Judea. Israel has already been taken into captivity and now Judea, the last two tribes, are about to be conquered and taken into captivity. So we pick up in chapter 11 beginning with verse 18. The Lord made known to me, and I knew. And then you showed me their deeds. All right, so the Lord made known to me, and I knew. Then you showed me. Now, <laughs> this is revelation, all right? 
This is revelation. The Lord may know to me, and I knew, and you showed me their deeds. But I was like a gentle lamb led to slaughter. I did not know it was against me they devised their scheme, saying, Let us destroy the tree with its fruit, and let us cut him off from the land of the living, that his name be remembered no more. So this young man prophet... This young man prophet said, I was like a gentle lamb led to slaughter. He, I, I didn't know these people were all against me. He said, O Lord of hosts who judges righteously, who tests the heart and mind, let me see your vengeance upon them. For to you have I committed my cause. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the men of Anath who seek your life and say, do not prophesy in the name of the Lord, or you will die by our hand. All right? So notice these guys, they did not want to hear God's word. Now, there are people like that to, uh, that, are, that are like that in the, in the world today. They, they say, if you, if you preach the word of God, we're going to destroy you. Things haven't changed. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold, I will punish them. The young men shall die by the sword, and their sons and their daughters shall die by famine. And none of them shall be left, for I will bring disaster upon the men of Anoth the year of their punishment. Chapter 12, verse 1. Righteous are you, Lord, when I complain to you. <laughs> Yet I would plead my cause before you. Why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why do all the treacherous thrive? And I know, here, here's, here's a young man's, and this is a young man's complaint, all right? And, uh, now, we have to understand this. This is a young man's complaint. When you live a lifetime, when you get a little older, you, you see that people reap the fruit of their ways. But when you're a young man, you look around and you go, why do the wicked prosper? I don't get it. Why do all these who are treacherous, why do they thrive? This is a young person complaint. As you get older, you see people eat the fruit of their ways. He said, you plant them, they take root, they grow, they produce fruit. You are near in their mouth and far from their heart. He said, all right, so they, they talk well. But live bad. They're not in your heart. But you, O Lord, know me, you see me, you test my heart toward you, pull them out like sheep for the slaughter, and set them apart for the day of slaughter. <laughs> now, please, as a young preacher, I can remember prayers like this that I prayed. So forgive me if I look at this young prophet and go, ah, I can't, I can't, I can't say anything bad about him. Been there. How long will the land mourn and the grass of every field wither for the evil of those who dwell in, in it? The beasts and the birds are swept away because they said, we will not see our latter end. If you race with men on foot and they have wearied you, how will you compete with horses? And if in a safe land you are so trusting, what will you do in the thickets of the Jordan? Oh, now God begins to speak to him. How can you compete with the horses? And if in a safe land, 
what are you going to do in the thickets of Jordan? Now, he, he's telling he's telling young uh, Jeremiah. He said, "Okay, okay, young man, grow up." Okay. <laughs> he's saying, "Listen, young man, you, you need to grow up." He said, "It's going to get tougher." He says, "So stop your complaining. You know, it's going to get harder. You're going to have to run against the horses." He said, "You know." He uses an illustration here and just basically says, listen, it's going to get harder. For even if your brothers in the house of your father, even they have dealt treacherously with you, they are in full cry after you. Do not believe them, though they speak friendly words to you. I have forsaken my house. I have abandoned my heritage. I have given the beloved of my soul into the hands of her enemies. This is God speaking. My heritage has become to me like a lion in the forest. She has lifted up her voice against me, therefore I hate her. Is my heritage to me like a hyena's lair? Now, folks, please. If you've ever studied a hyena's lair, it is a nasty, stinky, smelly place full of rotten bones and carcasses that have been chewed on. And it's just... It is not a nice place, and it's full of fighting. Hyenas are always fighting with each other. He said, is my heritage to me like a hyena's lair? Are the birds of prey against her all around? Go assemble all the wild beasts. Bring them to devour. Verse 10, many shepherds have destroyed my vineyard, and they have trampled down my portion, and they have made my pleasant portion a desolate wilderness. This is the effect of bad pastors. Bad pastors destroy the people of God. Bad pastors trample down God's portion. They've made God's pleasant portion a desolate wilderness. That's the effect of bad pastors. They have made it a desolation. Desolate, it mourns to me. The whole land is made desolate, but no man lays it to heart. Upon all the bare heights and the desert destroyers have come, for the sword of the Lord devours from one end of the land to another. No flesh has peace. They have sown wheat and reaped thorns. They have tired themselves out, but profit nothing. They shall be ashamed of their harvest because of the fierce anger of the Lord. Okay. Now, folks, forgive me, but this is what happens when people live in sin. There comes a day the blessings of God just stop. And it's, it's a hard day to see. I mean, God did this to his own people. The blessings just stopped. Thus says the Lord concerning all my evil neighbors who touch the heritage that I have given my people Israel to inherit. Behold, I will pluck them up from their land and I will pluck up the house of Judah from among them. And after I have plucked them up, I will again have, I will again have compassion on them. And I will again bring each to his own heritage, to his own land. So God says, listen, these people who destroy Israel, they're going to lose their land. Israel is going to lose its land, but there will come a day I'll bring each nation back to its own land. And it shall come to pass, if they will diligently learn the ways of my people, speaking to all the nations now, to swear by my name as the Lord lives, even as they taught my people to swear by Baal, then they shall be built up in the midst of my people. All right, now, now look at what God says here. He's talking about Gentiles. Right, this, is, this is Gentile salvation. He said, if they will diligently learn my ways, the ways of my people, he said, they shall be built up in the midst of them. 
He said, you know, at one point they taught my people to swear by Baal. Flip that around and they start learning about me from my people. He said, they shall be built up in the midst of my people. But if any nation will not listen, I will utterly pluck it up and destroy it, declares the Lord. Now, again, there's pretty strong talk. Chapter 13, verse 1. Thus says the Lord to me, go and buy a linen loincloth and put it around your waist and do not dip it in water. So I bought a loincloth according to the word of the Lord and put it around my waist. And the word of the Lord came to me a second time. Take the loincloth you have bought, which is around your waist, and arise, go to the Euphrates, and hide it there in a cleft of the rock. Now notice, I want you to see guidance, and there's a principle you need to see here. Guidance comes in stages. Sometimes we think God's going to tell us everything at once. But he said, now do this. And then the word of the Lord came to him a second time. So guidance comes in stages. Take the sewing cloth that you have bought, which is around your waist, arise, go to the Euphrates, and hide it there in the cleft of the rock. So I went and hid it by the Euphrates as the Lord commanded me. After many days the Lord said to me, now arise, go to the Euphrates, take from there the loincloth that I commanded you to hide there. All right, so notice we have guidance one. We have guidance one. We have guidance two. And now we have guidance three, stages. Just remember, the steps of the righteous are like the light of dawn. They shine brighter and brighter as the noonday. This is God's guidance. God will give you guidance step by step. Then I went to the Euphrates and dug and took the loincloth from the place where I'd hid it. And behold, the loincloth was spoiled. It was good for nothing. Then the word of the Lord came to me. All right, now here's the fourth. Then the word of the Lord came to me. Thus says the Lord, even so I will spoil the pride of Judah and the great pride of Jerusalem. This evil people who refuse to hear my words, who stubbornly follow their own heart and have gone after other gods to serve them and worship them, shall be like this loincloth, which is good for nothing. For as the loincloth clings to the waist of a man, so I made the whole house of Israel and the whole house of Judah cling to me declares the Lord, that they might be for me a people, a name, a praise, and a glory, but they would not listen. Right, so here's, here's the purpose of relationship. To be a name, a people, a name, a praise, and a glory. That's the purpose of the relationship. You shall indeed speak to them this word. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, every jar shall be filled with wine, and they will say to you, do we not indeed know that every jar will be filled with wine? Then you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will fill with drunkenness all the inhabitants of this land, the kings who sit on David's throne, the priests, the prophets, and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. <laughs> I will fill with drunkenness. Um, being filled with drunkenness is a judgment of God. Now that's something you need to get a hold of. And I will dash them one against another, fathers and sons together, declares the Lord. I will not pity or spare them or have compassion that I should not destroy them. Hear and give air. Be not proud, for the Lord has spoken. Give glory to the Lord your God before he brings darkness. Before your feet stumble on the twilight mountains 
and while you look for light, he turns it into gloom and makes it deep darkness. He said, now listen, there's always an opportunity for mercy. There's always an opportunity for mercy. But if you will not listen, my soul will weep in secret for your pride. God weeps for our pride. My eyes will weep bitterly and run down with tears because the Lord's flock has been taken captive. Say to the king and the queen mother, take a lowly seat for your beautiful crown has come down from your head. The cities of the Negev are shut up and none to open them. All of Judah is taken into exile, wholly taken into exile. Lift up your eyes and see those who come from the north. Where is the flock that was given to you, your beautiful flock? Will you say, what will you say when they set as head over you those whom you yourself have taught to be friends to you? Will not pangs take hold of you like a woman in labor? And if you say in your heart, why have these things come to me? It is for the greatness of the iniquity that your skirts are lifted up and you suffer violence. Can the Ethiopian change his skin or the leopard his spots? That also you can do good who are accustomed to do evil. I will scatter you like chaff by the wind of the desert. This is your lot, the portion I have measured out to you, declares the Lord, because you have forgotten me and trusted in lies. Okay, Judgment comes upon his people because they have forgotten him and they have trusted in lies. I myself will lift up your skirts over your face and your shame will be seen. I have seen your abominations, your adulteries and names, your lewd whorings on the hills of the field. Woe to you, O Jerusalem! How long will it be before you are made clean? Now, these are not easy passages to read because these are the words of judgment that God speaks to a nation that has turned away from him. So these are sad words. These are difficult words. But you notice in the middle of all the sad, difficult words, there's still these opportunities, give glory to the God. If you will not listen, there's always, please listen. There's always, please turn back. Now, maybe you're one of those persons that's been moving away from God. Would you not listen? Would you not turn back today? I want you to think about that. You have to make the decision. You have to begin to turn your heart back to God. Nobody else can do it for you. All right. We'll see you tomorrow morning. First Daniel's prayer at 535 and then morning devotions at 6.